both parties are complete hypocrites. And here's why. Because on the left, the Democrats say, oh, we want women to choose what they do with their bodies. You can love who you want. We also are okay with transgender boys that are now girls being involved in women's sports, but women should have rights on and and we believe in in you doing what you want women with your bodies but we do not believe that you should be able to say what happens in your kids schools that's also a fun one that's on the left and on the right we say we're the party of freedom and liberty <laughs> however <laughs> on everything you can get involved in your kids schools but you can't do what you want with your body <laughs> We want to regulate that. We may want to regulate who you marry. And so both parties are filled with hypocrites. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips, and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to Political Contessa. I am Jennifer Nassor, and I am your Political Contessa. Today, I have with me a repeat guest, Nicole Dooley. Nicole is the executive director for... Um, Pocketbook Project, a organization that is near and dear to my heart. And it is an organization that supports center-right women who are running for office, interested in being involved in the political process with boards and commissions locally, statewide, also for anyone who's interested in actually getting involved in a campaign. And so the Pocketbook Project is a full-service outfit. It's a nonprofit doesn't ask for anything other than your time and attention in uh, in getting involved in good civics. So, Nicole, thank you for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So um, one of the reasons I love Pocketbook Project, I love Women's Public Leadership Network, which is kind of the national version of, of Pocketbook, um, and so many uh, organizations like Pocketbook Project around the country is because they support center-right women who are fiscal conservatives, which I personally, as a Massachusetts Republican, think is is kind of the winning message, right? Fiscal conservatism. I mean, we see today where we have exorbitantly high prices. You as a new mom understand this. And by the way, congratulations, because since the last time you were on the podcast to now, you have a new little baby. Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, but you know what it's like. You you actually had a baby during the uh, great um, shortage of formula 
right? So you know what it's like to to live through trying to feed your baby. You know what it's like to, you know, have another mouth to feed, to go out and have a car big enough to put a car seat in. And all the costs of everything have gone up so much. So fiscal conservative women, we have a phenomenal message, right? The inflation right. is high. Wages are still half of, of inflation. The economy is going down quickly. So why are more women that are center-right, that are fiscally conservative, where, where are they? I you know, I, th- I think it's it is really difficult for moms to a be able to work, b be able to run for office on top of that or get involved. It's really hard to be able to balance everything. So I think th- that's where they are. I think they're you know a lot of a lot of moms like that are home and taking care of their kids and prioritizing those things. And we need to be able to give women more resources to get more involved. I I can't agree more. I mean, it's, you know, um, being a lawyer and someone, you know, who's always been active in politics, I could always make more money at a law firm than I I could being on a campaign or running for office or, or, you know, ultimately, if you are successful, winning and you kind of have to balance if you're going to be away from home for all those hours you know, and campaigning and not making money with the real job that's actually paying you. So, I mean, I think there are tons of solutions out there that we we as as women, number one, but also on the Republican side need to look at such as, I mean, I think universal pre-K is one of them. I think mm-hmm. being able to use campaign expenses to pay for child care or to mm-hmm. have, um, you know, some sort of child care available on premise as a candidate. So whether you're male or female, so that way you can encourage more women to come in is kind of like they're good, easy starts. Right. And I feel like, you know, universal preschool was always something I I never thought I supported um, until I had a baby. It's <laughs> funny um, how that happens. <laughs> but, you know, you can't just look at it as a, okay, this is another money that the government's spending. This is an investment because the more ability you give to women to get into the workforce, the more competition in the workforce you're going to have, the better, you know, business is going to go. So it's it does need to be looked at more, as more of an investment than a government spending program. Um, Absolutely. That is something I support now. Um, also, campaign funds for child care. Absolutely. I mean, I like it. Like we said, you just if if you're not giving these women the resources they need, they're not able to run. It's it's hard. I mean, you need you know, I talk a lot about needing a supportive partner, you know, who's on board with you, who, you know, is either coming around with you or is at home and kind of taking care of the things at home. Um, but I think it's also it, it's it's more than that, because, you know, we worry even if I don't even if I'm not with my kids, I know where they are, 
every minute of the day, you know, okay, school ends right now. One is out at this time, one is out at the other, you know, another time and where everyone is. And so it doesn't go away if you're running for office. It doesn't go away if you're a campaign manager or the fundraiser or the press secretary for someone. Um, and, And I feel like, especially as Republicans, where we're always encouraging family values, (laughs) it seems, it seems like a natural, um, two natural issues for us to be supportive of in making sure that kids are able to get into school early. It frees up moms mostly. And I'm sorry, you know, for any dad out there that has to deal with this, I, I, I understand that as well, but it mostly, you know, generalizing, it mostly falls on the mother to deal with that. Right. Um, no, absolutely does. I mean, and my husband's amazing. He works from home too. And he's, you know, splits as much as he can with me with, with taking care of Jack. But, you know, there is, like you said, there's certain things that just oh, are always going to fall on, on my, my husband's nipples are useless. So, you know, I have <laughs> to be here every three hours. <laughs> it's so, it's so true. And you can't really be like, Hey, someone else take care of this. Cause there's only, right. <laughs> only one person can take care and of it. And you just, can't get formula. So. Yeah. I'm, and I, and I'm sorry, you know, maybe call me traditional or whatever, but only um, one gender has a uterus and can produce the baby. And one gender has um, breasts that have milk that can potentially come out of it. So, um, <laughs> right? so it's like it, it pretty much lands up on the woman. Um, so, okay. So we have, you know, now that you and I solved issues as to why women may not come in here, but we also have, we also have what happened in 2022, which I think is, is really interesting to look back upon and, um, and forget about the historic, terrible pers- precedent that was just set with the midterm elections where, you know, there wasn't the red wave and the red tsunami. It was the red, you know, snowflake or, you know, a couple of of you know, little drizzle. But um, but we also see how there were um, women like Liz Cheney, who I would not consider a moderate who got knocked out of office. You have um, Nancy Mace down in South Carolina, right? South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina. She's she's a pretty moderate voice down there. She had a primary challenge. You saw women in the Republican Party challenging other women in Arizona. That happened, um, you know. And so you look around the country. So so Harriet Hagman uh, challenged Liz Cheney and won. Um, you saw what happened in in Arizona with Carrie Lake winning. Um, so I, I think you know we see that messaging has has it's kind of all over the place now right and so it's not just a fiscal conservative message some of those candidates had to say that they were election deniers whether that was true or fake mm-hmm. in order to get past the primary and then lost so right. how do we bring everyone back is there a way for us to i guess what i'm asking is and this is not like you're not going to know this answer. It's more of a <laughs> rhetorical question. Like, but is there a way for women in the Republican Party to say there just aren't enough of us? Right. Because because of our anatomy, everyone always thinks we're supposed to be Democrats. Right. We're supposed to be right. pro-abortion. We're supposed to be pro, you know, teachers union. We're supposed to be and and 
and a lot of us have varying views on all of these issues. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we coalesce as a gender in Republican politics and say, okay, we need to take a couple of steps back. We as women need to get together and say, we're missing the mark with Democratic women. We're missing the mark clearly. I mean, suburban educated women didn't vote the way we thought they were going to vote in this election, I believe, because Donald Trump came out and started teasing that he was going oh, 100 percent. Right. And so they were like, whoa, out of here. Nope, not voting for these freaks, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. So I think that women need to get together, coalesce and say, you know what? For the most part, here's what we, we believe in. What, what do we do? I mean, because you're also a different generation than me. Right. So like on the other side of the spectrum, where, where do we go? Well, you know, I think like you just said, you know, people always assume, oh, we're women and with reproductive rights, we should be Democrats. Well, when Roe v. Wade got overturned this year, you know, I think that was the nail in our coffin. Um, that became and, you know, you and I probably don't hear about it very often because we're in Massachusetts. We have nothing to worry about or think about. But that was a top issue in many states. And you look at those states and young voters between 18 and 24, they came out as though it was a presidential election. They were voting in droves and overwhelmingly for Democrats. So we have to figure out a way for these, quote, women's issues to not be about abortion. You know, like you said, we all have very varying opinions. I I just think I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about fiscal issues. We need to find a way to put that at the forefront uh, as a quote unquote woman's issue, because women are the ones who make most of the pocketbook decisions in each home, um, statistically speaking. So I don't how we got to all come together on the Republican Party. Well, <laughs> Trump needs to just go away because I think <laughs> that's just going to be the polarizing factor for a very long time. But the good news is, I do think his support does seem to be much less enthusiastic as it has been in the past. You don't see people falling on their sword for him as much as they were people. You know, he announced people were kind of quieter about supporting him. So I think people are starting to tiptoe around it. Um, I, I do think that's the biggest problem not only for women to come together in the Republican Party, but for our country in general. I I couldn't, I you know, I mean, you know, the podcast, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. I was listening, I was watching Paul Ryan yesterday. Um, he was uh, doing an interview um, with Jonathan Carl on ABC. And he said, um, he said something about, uh, I guess, Jonathan Carl said, you know, well, would you support Trump or were you a never Trumper or whatever? And he said, you know, I was speaker. I was speaker of the House during, you know, the first two years Mm -hmm. of Trump's administration, Um, you know, and I I supported him and I, you know, I was there and and we worked together a lot. He said, so I wouldn't say I'm a never Trumper, but what I am is a never Trump again person. I love that. And I was like, that's awesome. Isn't that great? I think that that is, and maybe we'll see people who come out and say, you know, yes, I supported him, but now enough is enough. We've had enough. We see, you know, the repercussions. Um, And, and I also, you know, going back to what you said about women um, and, and wanting to talk about the fiscal issues, 
I, I, you know, I, I go back on this over and over again as a single mom, right? As the head of my household, I actually pay the bills, like pay attention to the bills. I look at credit card statements. I call the utility company and say, why was my water bill so high? I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm actually not that most women aren't. I'm just saying like, I don't have anyone to share these things with. So, so it's very important to me. And I want to know more about how are we going to get inflation down or get wages up? How are we going to make sure that my kids graduate from college, they have jobs and right. that <laughs> still living at home with me because <laughs> one of them just took my credit card. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's like you, you fight with yourself and you're like, is this fraud or is this real? Um, <laughs> and so I, I prefer focusing on that. And what bugs me so much is when you hear women who start on the Republican side, start talking about the Dobbs decision. And instead of messaging it in a different way than I that I think missed the mark this time in messaging Dobbs, because, you know, we have separation of powers. We, we can't do anything about the Supreme Court's decision on it. But what we can do is message it better and say, mm-hmm. you know, those states that like Massachusetts, where it's codified into law, you know, you don't have to worry about it. And um, and talk about states' rights and educate people on what it means for states to have their individual rights. And we didn't do that. And and I don't want old guys talking about my body or talking about my kids' bodies or, you know, giving advice on whether they agree or disagree. I don't I don't care which way it is. Mm-hmm. But I right. feel like, you know, the they the left always steals the message on that. And we're like, instead of saying, this drives me crazy. It's like, they're like, over here in this sandbox, we have abortion. And all of the Republicans are like, yeah, 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 yeah. We want to go play in that sandbox. I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> how about this? How about we go play in the fiscal sandbox? <laughs> they're right. like, let's see who wins. And at the end of the election, it started getting that way. It started like the Republicans were doing a great job of just talking about the economy the ones in the border states were talking about immigration, which also affects public health. It affects the economy. It affects education and everything else. Um, and then Trump came out and reared his head and everyone else has exploded. Yeah, him him leaking that little teaser the week before. Um, yeah, that was that was it. Yeah. Um, part of me, you know, I'm glad that a lot of his candidates lost. Um, I you thought that would have been the <laughs> the message to him. Um, of course, you know, I don't think his ego can take that. No. <laughs> but I think that message was read by a lot of other Republicans because, like I said, people are not, you know, jumping in line behind him the way they were. His announcement was just, I don't know if you watched it. It I was flat. It was flat. Right. I'm like, well, where is, I used to, you know, I never, I always, Trump is Trump, but he always had this very commanding presence and a little bit of excitement when you watch him. And then you're like, like, why am I, why am I enjoying this? <laughs> but he, he's just, he's <laughs> lost it a little bit. Um, even his daughter is not going to be. Yeah. Even Ivanka is not involved in the campaign. And, and so I think, you know, unfortunately 
you know, he didn't get the message with his candidates losing. He didn't get the message with DeSantis having a commanding 19 point lead over right. Charlie Crist at the end. Charlie Crist was a not just a congressman recently, but he was a governor of, of Florida as a Republican. And he got trampled by DeSantis. Yeah. Rubio trampled Dennings. Right. So, I mean, we like those guys did an amazing job in Florida because they kind of stayed in their own territory and did their own thing. The sad thing to me was folks in New England, like George Logan in Connecticut, um, Alan Fung in Rhode Island and mm -hmm. Bruce Poliquin in Maine. Watching them lose was heart wrenching because they came so close. Watching Lee Zeldin, right, who I thought not just had an amazing um, uh, momentum behind him, mm -hmm. his message was fabulous. I mean, crime in New York. He he just stayed on crime and he stayed on the economy, and and then Trump had to come out. And I will mm -hmm. say this. Because I've gotten back and forth with people. Oh, New York won't have a Republican governor. Long Island took out what four members of Congress? Four. They gained four Republican seats. They picked up two. They took out two of them, and then we picked up another two seats uh, just north of the city. Yeah. So I mean, that's outstanding, right? Yeah. That re that Republicans were getting elected in New York, which means if you stick with your own message, you, you know, and you stay the course, you you should have good opportunity. Um, focus on us in Massachusetts, uh, you know, where the Mass Republican Party wanted to be mm -hmm. the mini version of the Trump Party, um, wanted to spew the with same message. With a lot less money. With a lot, with a, uh, a lot less money. Um, and a candidate that is a perennial candidate who who it's one thing to be a perennial candidate who comes close and you say, okay, you know, I, I almost made it last time. I'm going to do it again. Mm -hmm. But the perennial candidate that keeps losing by, you know, 24% right. <laughs> and still comes back again <laughs> is, is mm -hmm. not good for messaging. Um, but I want to go back to women. So, okay. So we had, we had these women running who were falling into the Trump messaging and, and what I have to say and maybe you don't agree with me, but and that's totally fine, um, <laughs> is the Democrats took being pro-choice and they made it pro-abortion. And yes. dumb ass Republicans, because most of the Republican Party is headed up by the same old white guy that's been sitting around for the past 20, 30 years. Instead of converting we're pro-life into we are pro-choice we just choose life and using the pro-choice um, mantra to our benefit when the democrats moved out of being pro-choice and pro-abortion i i think we were missing something because i think the republican party should talk about choice as a we value that women are sometimes in a very precarious situation and you don't want to have to make that decision. We would prefer <laughs> this side, right? And and not um and not saying that um you know we're we're completely against it because it feels as though they are harsh and cruel whereas the democratic message has been we're pro abortion. I don't know anyone 
who's in the middle in like, you know, Massachusetts is 56%, but, you know, in the middle of the country um, where, or I'm sorry, where the country is so much more independent, right. As far as Republicans, Democrats, I I can't see how the pro-abortion thing flies. And, and I think that we need to do a better job. And I think it comes from women in the party in redefining what it is, which is Roe v. Wade was 13 weeks. It, it wasn't, it wasn't 40 weeks. And, mm-hmm. and so we lost our way, you know, so I think we could have better message it, better messaged abortion rights under the pro-choice banner or women's health under the pro-choice banner and, and been more um, compassionate and given like our, you know, the right who's pro-life could come under there and just say, we choose life. Our, our choice is life. And then if you're pro-choice, you're in the middle. And then there are the crazies that are just pro-abortion, you know, baby can be born and then you can abort the baby after it's born people, um, Mm -hmm. which I don't agree with at all. So I think we missed that and, and just had a lot of people who just kept, again, falling into that abortion conversation instead of saying, listen, we understand sometimes there, you know, things, things are tough, things are hard. And you know what we're going to do? We're coming up with solutions. We're going to come up with solutions for better early education, better health care for babies that are born with disabilities, better opportunities for new moms that, you know, maybe you feel like you have nothing else to do, but we're going to have work study programs. Like the, the, there was just no, there was nothing there except for we're the party of no. And that to me is just upsetting. And I don't know how we switch, how we change it around. Yeah. You know, I, I, I actually, I feel like I feel like both parties have missed the mark with it. Um, like you just said about the Republicans. I also think the Democrats, like they have t- taken on this, not just pro-choice, pro-abortion. You know, I'm I'm pro-choice, but I see some of the messaging come out of the Democrats that really makes me sick. Um, like I know, said, 40 weeks in New York. It, right. You can't you can't say that a mother That's, is it, it. that it, if a woman gets killed who's pregnant, it is a single singular homicide. It is not a double hom- homicide. Could you imagine like your family not thinking that and, and regardless of how far along you are? Or you right. wanted to terminate the baby and you ended up bringing the baby to full term and you say, I didn't want the kid anyway, and they don't need to provide medical care. That's disgusting. Yeah. And you see people at, you know, these protests with I heart abortion posters and, th- and things like that. You know, ab- abortion's not a, a good thing. You know, it's it's I, it's necessary sometimes and you're, or people feel it's necessary. And I understand that. And there's all these gray areas too, like with, you know, when you're potentially miscarrying and things like that, I went through something like that. I had, I had a, honestly, I had a procedure that could have been considered an abortion in other States. Um, and so there's, there's all these gray areas, but it's not a good thing. We shouldn't be celebrating abortion. The thing that is the different, I think, so I do think both parties have missed the mark, but I think the Democrats use such scare tactics um, you know, Republicans are going to take all your rights away and women are going to be enslaved like we're in uh, The Handmaid's Tale. And I, I think that's where they're getting these young voters that are are just more and more coming out for Democrats. And unfortunately, the Republican base is an aging population that is dwindling. So 
I think their scare tactics were work, even though their messaging is horrible. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and it's like, if you're not on board with what they're saying, then you get bullied. Right. right. And so it's, it's unfortunate. And yeah, I, 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 there's, there's so much, I think we, we could do, and that's, I don't think their messaging is wonderful. I I consider myself pro-choice and I consider, you know, but I'm not pro-abortion. And I have friends, um, actually a family friend who their baby was born. When she was pregnant, they knew that the baby was that had serious issues. And when she was born, um, she only made it to maybe three or four, um, but she was born with life-threatening issues. And, you know, those parents loved that baby until the moment she died, knowing, having her knowing that she wasn't going to make it. And that is heart wrenching. Right. And and if you are the parent who says, I can't take care of a kid like that because I have other children or I just I don't have the resources, I don't have the backing, I don't have the health care, whatever it is. And you make the other decision. It is a heart wrenching decision. And and I just would like to see Republicans be more compassionate about it and right. find I some understand that it's their decision. It's their decision. It's not, it's not anyone else's decision to make. And, um, and it's, it's really difficult. And so I I'm hoping that again, you know, they have the abortion sandbox, we have the fiscal sandbox, but it would be really nice for our people to, to be able to discuss um, you know, whether it's gay rights, I mean, uh, the Defense of Marriage Act just passed, right? Re- the, I mean, re- Respect of Marriage Act just went through the Senate recently, um, and we'll have a final vote shortly. Um, and to, you know, be understanding that, like, you should be able to marry who you want. I joke, I don't know why you'd want to get married, but for someone who wants to get married, <laughs> get married to who you want. <laughs> so, but but I think that we Republicans need bet a better message with better messengers all around because even on the fiscal stuff, it's like it's not just jobs. It's you know the cost of eggs. It's the cost of gas. It's you know everything. Everything goes up here in New England. It's already freezing. Um, you you see what your bills are like, and you know it's it's dark early. It doesn't get light. You know it's like our days are shorter and shorter. Um, and I think there's so much to talk about to relate to women and be like, we get it. We understand. And and we're the party who, you know, party of Reagan and the party of Lincoln. And um, did you know that uh, that the log cabin Republicans were started in the 70s in California when Ronald Reagan was governor? Really? Right? Yeah. So, like, why aren't we talking about stuff like that? Like, we're actually the cool, chill party. And so, yeah. You know, <laughs> but our message it gets hijacked all the time. <laughs> uh, I know it's uh, that. I, mean, I don't get it. You know, we're the party of individual liberties and freedom to do whatever you want. And th- there's a very big geographic difference in our party, though. Yeah, you're, we're the party of freedoms and liberties. Except, well, you know what? Both po- both sides are actually complete hypocrites. And yes, I was the Republican Party chair of Massachusetts, and I am saying this. I was part of the RNC, and there were lots of people that never wanted to talk to me. And now I know why, because I'm going to say this. Both parties are complete hypocrites. And here's why. Because on the left, the Democrats say, 
oh, we want women to choose what they do with their bodies. You can love who you want. We also are okay with transgender boys that are now girls being involved in women's sports, but women should have rights. That doesn't make any sense, by the way. Just to put this all together. It doesn't make sense for boys to be involved in girls' sports, but yet girls have rights and we believe in Title IX. That actually doesn't make any sense. On and and we believe in in you doing what you want women with your bodies but we do not believe that you should be able to say what happens in your kids schools that's also a fun one that's on yeah, the left that's, that's a fair point right and on the right we say we're the party of freedom and liberty <laughs> however <laughs> on everything you can you can get involved in your kids schools but you can't do what you want with your body we want to regulate that. We may want to regulate who you marry. And so both parties are filled with hypocrites. Do you think that, um, because I'm always trying to get somewhere, do you think that the country is ripe for a third party or you think that it's people like us that have to fix the craziness in our own parties? You know, I think the primary system is what messes this all up so much. So may I don't know if we're right for a third party or if we're right for an overhaul of our primary systems, because I do think most most people are, you know, moderate. They they say on each side about seven percent is that fringe group, but they're they're the squeaky wheel. And because of this, the way this system's set up, you know, we wind up with the whoever's, you know, whoever's campaigning further to the right or further to the left, they win the primary. So yeah, I maybe we are. Maybe we just need to both parties need to take a look inside and figure out a better way to get better candidates. Yeah. Well, and I think if people vote in primaries, because I it was a trick question. I mean, you know, part of me thinks a third party would be great to just weed out all the craziness. It's just it takes a long time. I um, am a huge fan of Andrew. Uh, uh, Ng, sorry, Andrew Yang. Yeah. Starting his third party. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, and maybe maybe he can do it. But um, but I think in the meantime, because it does take a long time for something like that. And and you do have, you know, people I was talking to a Democrat who um, former elected official who said my party left me. Right. And and pretty liberal when this person was elected to office, um, but is not a fan of tax everyone to the gills and blow money, not a fan of defund the police um, and doesn't know where, you know, his folks went. Um, but, you know, one of my things is exactly what you said. Our primaries are screwed up. And the reason is there's so there's such voter apathy in primaries, people don't realize, and and I don't know if it's a national day for primaries around the country, um, but I think people, at least here, our primaries are in September, they're right after kids start school and people come back. By the way, if you don't live in New England, you don't understand this, but amazing phenomenon that no one is around or available for eight weeks in the summer because everyone is enjoying the nice weather before it turns. And we only have eight weeks. Um, and our primaries are right after summer vacations. And I think a lot of people forget. And it, I see in the Massachusetts electorate, at least, it's roughly 21 to 24 percent 
of the electorate, or even lower, I think it's 19 to 23% of the electorate, show up for the primaries. And then we are stuck with whoever comes out of that primary running in the general election. And then people go, eh, we don't like either person or that one definitely can't win. So we're not going to go vote for the other one. And so then our general elections hover between 28 and 32, 33%. And Mm -hmm. so I think we need to encourage more people to come out and vote in primaries than we actually do in general elections. Yeah, that is a huge factor in this. Um, Because if we don't have good candidates, we're not going to have good elected officials (laughs) or any conversations as we just saw in Massachusetts. And I don't know how much more I could rant about this, but I mean, we had two gubernatorial candidates, neither of that, or I should say, neither of them came out of their basements. Both of them pulled the Fetterman Biden trick of just, you know, if I sit in my basement, one, because he's dumb as a doorknob and had nothing (laughs) to say. And the other one, because they were worried that if she said anything that the dumb as a doorknob would actually do better. And so they kept her hidden away. So we didn't get to hear from either gubernatorial candidate running um, and, you know, and landed up with, you know, definitely the smarter of the two, um, though, you know, not the party. It was funny. I went, I was in New York the week before the election um, visiting my dad and it was like, political commercial after political commercial on the TV, nonstop yard signs on every street, everywhere. Um, it was Lee Zeldin everywhere. I was loving it, but I, and I'm like, I forgot it's election season because there's nothing going on here. Nothing. We don't, I don't get any, any commercial. Occasionally I'll get a New Hampshire commercial, no yard signs. There's just nothing going on. Yeah. It was really, really disappointing. Not, not how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, and, and quite honestly, what it does is it really makes the, you know, at least here, Governor-elect Maura Healey um, impenetrable in the next election because she didn't have to spend any of her money. Right. Because she didn't have real primary and then she didn't have real general election. So, you know, now she banks all that money and and it becomes very difficult, especially Massachusetts, where it's a thousand dollars a year for um, for candidates that are are state candidates and not federal candidates. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Nicole, I feel like you and I could do this like, you know, for eight hours and try to solve the problems of the world. Um, and so I appreciate you coming on with me today and and just talking through these things because I think it's good. I think these are like normal conversations that normal women have all the time, you know, yeah. on, on these beliefs. And that's what we're trying to do with Pocketbook Project, just putting more and more resources out there for women to have the tools available to them to A, understand, and B, be able to go have these conversations about why it's good to be fiscally responsible. I love that. Nicole, where can folks find Pocketbook Project? Uh, you can head over to pocketbookproject.org. Um, we have a contact us page on there if you want to shoot us an email. Uh, if you're thinking about running for office or you just want to stay in the loop, uh, find out some more information about what's going on in New England, how you can be well-educated and and on these fiscal issues. Um, We have a bunch of events going on. So head on over to our website and we'll send you over everything. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for being here with me on Political Contessa. 
And I wish you very happy round of holidays. And hopefully we can get back together in 2023 um, and have some more conversations on where we can go and issues that are are upcoming that we can pull out our little crystal balls for. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Well, this is Jennifer Nassor. I am your political Contessa. Please stay happy, healthy, and safe, and happy holidays. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 